Hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Kerr. I'd like to welcome you to the 89th episode of the Black Ink Podcast. I'd like to thank you for joining me today. It's such a beautiful day wherever you are and wherever I am. It doesn't really matter. The fact is we're here together and we're sharing this conversation that you cannot speak back to me. And I always think to myself, the perfect time to record these podcasts is actually when Riz and I are going to get coffee in the mornings because for some reason, a switch just goes off in my mind and everything that I've been boiling up over the past 24 hours since we last got to talk properly uninterrupted from, you know, phones and friends and TV and bullshit, all of that just spews out into, well, here's what I've been thinking about. But it's probably good because it's almost like a test run that I get to take all the things that are obviously important to me and obviously emotionally pulling me in one direction or another and I get to relabel them metaphorically. I get to look at them a little bit differently and kind of maybe observe them from the perspective of you guys, the audience, so I can repackage it and make sure that when I deliver this to the world, to the public, to the online forum that is the internet, that at least it's done the right way. Because one thing's for sure, when I'm talking to Riz in the mornings, well, there's no fucking boundaries. Everyone's a cunt and the F-bomb is used every bloody third word. So one thing that I do know is the common kind of topic that I've been hitting every time we've been having these conversations in the morning this past week, which if you don't know, these podcasts are now uploaded weekly because I feel like I give you a lot more value if I give you one 45 episode minute a week rather than giving you two or three. I'm not trying to cram in kind of empty words. I'm actually giving you refined thoughts and ideas and events that have been happening without waffling on too much about one thing. So the things that we've been talking about or that I've been talking to her about in these past seven days kind of come down to being happy and being comfortable and being content. And when I think about this topic in general, it actually, it, it, it is what I am on like a, my fiber. My fiber comes down to how I feel. And I know that sounds really obvious. Obviously, everybody's existence and their experience of the human life is how they feel. And we do everything that we do in order to make sure that we get the feelings that we want more often. Now, if you want an easy example of this, you can look at drug addiction. You're looking for that feeling over and over and over and over again. And the feeling is so important to you that it comes at the cost of everything. And they call that addiction. And it might be addiction to the drug, but it's not. It's the feeling that the drug gives you. The drug is the vehicle. The experience is what we're actually after. Now, obviously, on a whole lot less uh, extreme case or example, I do everything I can to feel a particular way. And whether it's my family, whether it's my business, whether it's my finances, whether it's my personal space in my own mind, I've identified that there's a range of feelings that I can feel. And out of those range of feelings, I've got a really good idea of the ones that I want more of and the ones that I want less of. And for the the sake of this conversation, because I have such a vast amount of fucking time to explain what I'm talking about. I want to start from the very start. And I think that I've always been asking myself the whole time I've been alive, how do you feel about this? And up until a certain point, I thought that how I felt about things and the result were two very different things. But the longer I go through this experience, the human life, I realize that those two things go hand in hand. How you feel directly directly impacts the result. See, if you can feel good at something while you're doing it, the result is always gonna be great, right? Or if you feel good doing it, you're gonna get a good result. You feel great doing it, you're gonna get a great result. For everything else, if it falls apart, 
at least you know when you leave the thing, whatever the result is, you had a good time doing it, you know? And if you can get a result that is also beneficial for the client or your partner or yourself or the thing you're trying to achieve, then it's a win-win. And I always saw it as a kid and I, I, there's no direct line in the sand where I can say this is where it stopped and this is where it started. But there's definitely somewhere in my late teenage years where I realize you actually have control of all of your feelings. Now, already, I know that's an inflammatory thing to say, like, I don't, you know, I feel shit all the time because I'm depressed or I feel whatever it is all the time because of X, Y, and Z. And yes, there are things that are non-negotiable physically that are going to affect how you feel, okay? But it's how much effort you're willing to put into those feelings, whether to keep them, to change them, or reverse them, is the thing that you have control over. So therefore, sure, let's say you've got clinical depression and it's gonna last your whole life and there's nothing you can do about it. You'll never be able to get rid of that depression, but there are things that you can do to work with what the depression does to you. There are things that you can do that put you in the best possible position before the depression, not before the depression, like while the depression is taking place, okay? Now, this whole experiment that I'm doing at the moment, which we, which we call Black Ink, which is my business, Black Ink, I think something that's really important to remember. This didn't start because I wanted a t-shirt business. This podcast didn't start because I wanted a podcast, right? I didn't do all of this because the result that I'm getting now is the thing that I wanted. All I knew is the thing that I was doing was giving me a shit feeling all the time. And I remember having a, a moment that seemed to happen like once every three days where I realized like, this is it forever. I'd be getting up at 3.30 to get to work by 4.30 so I can start my shift at five in the morning. And I can work from five until 5 p.m. And you do that four times. And then the next day you go to work at 4 p.m. And you do that until 4 a.m. four times. And you get four days off. You get four days off. How good is that? Out of every 12 days, you get four of them off and then you get to do it again and again and again and that's it forever and whether this was driving a truck or it was you know making coffee at a not my coffee van i mean similar similar but actually pretty much the same you know making coffee on the coffee van uh whether it was being a process operator whether it was working on a farm whatever it was the fact was is that this is it forever and the feelings within that thing like the feelings within doing the job the feelings that I had between 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. when I was at work, they seemed to be replicating themselves no matter how I negotiated myself or I negotiated the job. So I got to a point where I thought, well, if this is it, I don't want this. And I think a lot of people, I think everybody has this point where they're just like, I'm fucking sick of all this. I don't want to do this. And then the reality of the safety that comes with having that feeling overwhelms them so much that they don't have a choice that they go, okay, this feeling is just something that I'm going to have every now and then as part of my human life. I'm sure everyone else has this feeling. We're going to normalize it. We're actually going to come to expect it every now and then. And we're going to feel even better when we have a good day because at least we know we're not having a bad day. But that just didn't sit right with me. I did these things when I had a job where one great example that I think I've said on the podcast before is... I wanted to know what it felt like being an adult and not having a job because 
this weird feeling when you're an adult and you've been working. For me, I've been working ever since I was 14, mucking out stables on the weekend in between, you know, training for skating and being an athlete. Going to, from there, I went to Hungry Jacks. From Hungry Jacks, I went to Dome. From Dome, I kept on going. I always had a job to job to job to job. And yes, when I was 17, I might've had a year off living in another country, being a professional athlete, but dude, that's just as fucking hard, okay? But you know what? For the sake of the conversation, that was a little break that I had. I came back when I was 18. I got straight into the mining scene. I had all these different mining jobs and then I bought my own business. You know, went up north, came back, bought my own business, had a bit of time off then when I sold it, but even then it was got straight into truck driving. And of course, you're always doing something. We're always pulled in these financial directions. You want to have a caravan. You want to get a new car. You want to get her a nice gift. You want to X, Y, and Z. So you got, you got to keep working. You got to keep doing the damn thing. And I realized not only have I never been an adult and had time to myself, and I mean more than the five days you get at Christmas. I mean more than a four-day weekend. I mean more than being sick for a couple of weeks and you really, like, I want to fucking know what it actually feels like to wake up and have nothing going on that day. Nothing. And I don't know about you, but in my mind, when I was on those four days off that I was talking about, I didn't have four days off. I had a countdown timer until I had to do that first day shift again. Everything was determined around how much time I had between now and when I had to go back to the thing. The thing can be whatever you want it to be. Sometimes it's going to your in-laws place. Sometimes it's going to your job. Sometimes it's getting your next fucking COVID injection, whatever it is, that thing that you're not not looking forward to, but you're not hanging out to do it either. You're not like, oh, I can't wait until I get to the airport and fly out and go on holiday. You know what I mean? And even when you go on holiday, do you know what that's determined by? How many days you've got left until you have to get on the plane and fucking go home, right? So I wanted to know, what's it like to not have that countdown timer? So I put a plan in place. I saved my money. I paid all my rent in advance. I paid all my bills in advance. I actually got to a point where I was paying all of my outgoings yearly so I didn't have monthly debits. So I knew that when I stopped working, whenever I wanted to stop working, I could have money in my account. I could have no outgoings or have it minimalized to a bare fucking minimum. And I could just be. No noise. I could just be. I could wake up in the morning to no alarm because I had nowhere to go. I could get up and I could spend an hour playing with my dick if I wanted to because nothing's waiting on me. And yeah, you know, Larissa, you know, obviously I had a partner, I had Larissa and we had things that we would do, but they were novelties of being in this situation because you're in a complete abyss of like, okay, well, what do you want to do today? What do you feel like doing? You know, you look outside, the air's fresh, I might go for a push bike ride. You get home, you're like, you know what, that was heaps of fun, but my legs are sore, I'm going to take the motorbike out. You take it out, you're like, you know what, I'm a little bit hungry, I might have something to eat. You go home, or maybe you stop somewhere and you got a little bit of money in the account, you got no outgoings, you know, like, hey, I've got fucking 10 grand there, let's buy a burger from McDonald's and a meal and go home and enjoy this. You go home, you eat it, the fucking, you chuck the rubbish on the ground, you lay back, chuck on an episode of Peaky Blinders, season three, probably about episode eight or something, you fall asleep halfway through that, you wake up, it's episode 12, because you, you just got the continuous episode thing on. Oh, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Ugh. Might stay up till midnight. Might do something crazy. Might play the fucking PlayStation, you know? And sure, I don't have any money coming in, but as long as I do things within this kind of little realm of what I've got going on, my house and the things that I already own, I don't have any money going out. So I'm just a human existing at this point, you know? 
And I did that. There's a few things that I learned. One, we're not made to have jobs. Finding fulfillment in your job is a byproduct of survival, right? The achievement that you feel within yourself that like I did something, I put in effort and I changed something and this is what I do. You can justify that from moving a pile of dirt from one side of the yard to another. You can say, well, without me, that dirt would all be over there. But with me, it's all over there. What's up, playboy? Or it can be as important. Maybe your job is going and fighting for people's freedom because you're a lawyer and you know this person's innocent. You have to go against the man and say, this is why X, Y, and Z. And you change that person's life, right? So wherever on the spectrum of change you are, you can always have that feeling of fulfillment because I think without that, it would be pointless. Your body would be full of hot air. You would deflate and be a pile of shit on the ground because you realize like, oh, I'm just doing stuff. And depending on my, my fucking boss, the business owner, the person who runs all of this shit, depending on whatever they got into 20 years ago when they built this business, just depends on the action that I'm doing. Whether it's driving a truck, whether it's flipping burgers, whether it's fighting in court, whatever you want, whatever the job is, if you don't attach your own fulfillment to it, it's just you doing things and manipulating time and space and physical things and ideas and all the rest, and once a week getting paid to do that. So, as seriously as you take your job or as, or as seriously as you don't, the point is the fulfillment that comes with it is simply a byproduct of trying to survive. Because without doing that thing, you don't get paid. And without getting paid, you don't eat. Simple as that. The other thing that I learned is that discipline is essential. Discipline is essential. The only time you ever want to sleep in is when you've been waking up to an alarm for years at a time. And that might be completely specific to me. That might just be how I respond to it, okay? But one thing I do know is when you sleep in every day for a week, you get sick of sleeping in, right? And I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, I don't. You're just the sort of person that's woken up to alarm every day of their life, okay? It's one of those things for me. Discipline is, and I believe it's for me, and I believe it's for the human existence because this thing seems to replicate itself with anyone that I see that has freedom, whether it's financial freedom, freedom through something that they've built, whether it's financial freedom through something that they've been given, whatever it might be, discipline is the structure that the human psyche needs just to survive, right? People who throw themselves into this like, yeah, I'm a fucking free spirit. I like to squint my eyes and look into the, look into the sky and question who I am and what sort of man I'm trying to become. Like That's all very well and good. But after a certain amount of time, you're just flicking marbles around in the sand and calling yourself a winner and loser at the same time. Like it has to have something that it binds to. It has to have something that keeps it kind of tangible to this physical world. And, and for that, I believe discipline is really important. So even though I had all this time off, I found myself after a certain amount of time, and this is the thing, I'm not talking about discipline as in doing 50 push-ups a day. I'm talking about discipline as in I have breakfast before nine o'clock in the morning. I have lunch before one o'clock in the afternoon and I have dinner before six o'clock at night, all for their own specific reasons and all because they are, they are resting on the one before it and the one after it to make it all contextual. Otherwise, I just end up doing bullshit. I end up having five massive meals a day and they're all after 4 p.m. and I end up putting on weight. So that one little bit of discipline 
keeps me not trim and sexy and fit and, and cut and ripped, but it keeps me not being a fat cunt, right? And then that discipline, depending on how much your character allows you to have organically, that discipline can go into a thing of like, right, for me right now, I wake up at 3.30 in the morning. I do all my social media engagement until about 4.35 when Riz is awake getting ready for the gym. That's when I then go and hydrate, I drink myself a liter of water all in one hit, Riz leaves the house, I say my prayers, I do a little bit around the office, I get myself clean, fresh, I put on, not a uniform, but I put on clothes, I get out of my actual pajamas and I get into real clothes, because I work at home, it's real easy to, to have no line in the sand between what is work and what is, what is living, right? So when I put on those new clothes for the day, right, I am now at work and then I do work. So from seven o'clock, eight o'clock, I know that I've got, I've hydrated, I've prayed, I've done my bit of work that I had to do for, for my social media accounts before, you know, that turns into its own thing and I got to do that interrupt, uninterrupted. And that bit of discipline there allows me to know that by eight o'clock every morning, I've done all the things that I have to do every day. I've done them to the best of my ability and now I don't have to worry about them at all for the rest of the day, right? So you go, yeah, but you're a real disciplined motherfucker and rah, rah, rah. Okay, okay. So how do we get here? I got there because I made a decision about my feelings. So I found out the piece of information that while you're sleeping at night with your mouth open, mouth breathing, you're taking really moisture dense breaths and you're actually dehydrating heaps. During that time as well, your body's doing a lot of digesting, it's doing a lot of recovering from the day, it's doing a lot of work, making sure all those muscle fibers are reconnected, it's replacing all the creatine in your blood, it's doing all of these things while you're asleep. That's, that's what sleep is for, to give your body a chance to catch up on everything, to recover, right? And during that process, you're, learning, you're losing heaps of minerals, you're losing heaps of water. And unfortunately, the first thing that we do when we wake up these days is drink coffee and have breakfast, which dehydrates us further. We jump in the shower. We turn the shit on as hot as we can possibly stand it. That dehydrates us even further. And by the time we're trying to start the day, we've got a fucking a headache that we don't know where the fuck it came from when we're feeling like our body's fighting itself. So I got this piece of information. It's like, oh, okay, so you, you know, it's from the book, uh, Own the Day by Aubrey Marcus. He says you put a squeeze of, of lemon into a glass. You... Pour some boiling water on some rock salt and you dissolve all that up. You put it in the glass and you fill it up full of water. You want about half a liter. Stir all that up and drink it. So the lemon gives a bit of a good taste. The uh, rock salt gives you your, all your minerals back and the water obviously gives you your hydration back. So before you do anything, you're giving your body everything to replenish, probably a little bit more than what it needs. And now you're ready to start the day. Shit, wait half an hour and have a coffee. You're going to get the full effect of that caffeine, boy. And guess what? Because you've already hydrated yourself, you've already taken that slippery shit you're scared of when you take, a, take your first sip of coffee, that's gone, bro. That's gone. We're ready to actually start the day. Sometimes you get round too, but hey, I'm not a doctor. And I realized by doing this, this is one of those things. I did it 500 mils all the time. I was like, oh yeah, I kind of get it, but I'm a big boy. I'm a big boy. And whether it's anecdotal and it's not the case at all, I feel like I need a liter, not 500 mils. So... After a short while, I was drinking a liter of water every morning with salt and lemon in it. And like anything, the discipline dies and that goes away. And then I started having those shitty side effects that, you know, you remember from having all the time. You know, you're like, fuck, God, I, feel, I feel drowsy today. I feel slow. I didn't have my water this morning. Oh. Oh. 
you know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to have my water. You have your water and all of a sudden you realize now because you're aware of this because you've, you've gone from one side of the spectrum to the other, to the other, to the other. And now you're doing it. You're like, I'm actually having water this morning to see if I feel better. Now you don't feel great. You don't walk around with a rock hard cock thinking, I figured out life. But you don't walk around feeling like you're fucking stuck in first gear and you can't get the car going and you've got a headache and you're foggy and all the rest. You just feel normal. You feel human. Okay. Whether or not that is directly because of the water, I'm going to guess that the water doesn't do any harm. So now my discipline, my routine involves that step. So now every morning, regardless of how I feel about it, regardless of if I want to do it, regardless of if it's, a, you know, you wake up and you, you want to do it early or not wake up, Riz, fuck all that gay shit, do it. Okay, so at least if we wake up and we go through all the process and we've done all the routine and I'm feeling terrible, well, the one thing I can say is I'm not dehydrated. It's not because I didn't drink my water. I've got that one thing out of the way. And yes, every morning I have to have that conversation with myself. I do this for this reason. You know, people like to think that routines are like, oh, you build a routine, then it's set in stone forever. It's all good. No, even routines take you showing up every day and doing the damn thing. And then you find after medium to long periods of time after applying these routines, if there's something that's meant to help your life within tied into the reason of doing that or adding it to your routine, then you have these crazy positive side effects where all of a sudden it's just like, oh, fuck yeah. When I go to party on Friday night, I'm already super hydrated. I started the day hydrated. When you start the day hydrated, you've got a bottle of water next to you all day because it's not even that you want to keep hydrated. It's you've set the fucking rhythm in your mind. Like I'm drinking water today. I'm staying ahead of the eight ball. Bang, 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 bang. Comes to Friday afternoon. Then you start getting on the, on the PI 55 and you realize, oh, my body isn't taking in piss from a dehydrated point of view. I'm not going to get pissed straight from the bat. I'm not going to feel this 10 times worse tomorrow morning because I started on a dry stomach. No, this is helping me here as well. That's just one example. This, like, especially being hydrated, I'm glad I use that as an example. It affects everything. It affects your decision-making. It affects your mood. It affects how you communicate with people. Absolutely everything. So that little bit of like, okay, let's chisel that into the routine. Let's make sure it's there always. And even if we don't want to do it, let's rely on the fact that this is doing a greater good that even I don't understand and apply it every day. And see that discipline, obviously that's one little element of a fucking huge sheet of things that I do every day. But by having that discipline, it tethers me to the day. It gives me purpose. I get some fulfillment out of it. And also I think on a grander scale, it's a really important aspect of being a human. It's finding what makes you feel good and making a routine out of it. Now, I don't know if I'm just an example of someone who, uh, I don't know if I'm different to everyone else or if everyone else feels this or maybe it's a boy thing or maybe it's a boy living in Bunbury thing or maybe it's a, a 2022 thing, I don't know. But I wanted to go against the grain. You know, everyone else needs a routine. Fuck that shit. I can be creative whenever I want. I can figure things out. I can wake up in the middle of the night and perform just as good as I do with first thing in the morning, whatever. Okay, you got an ego as well. That's all that matters. You know, I think it's part of being human thinking that you're better than everyone else or that you're different to everyone else. And it might be a generational thing. As I said, I don't know what the aspect is that makes me feel this way and makes other people think that they're the, they have that, this same kind of ailment that I do that holds them back. But there's things that we know about humans 
And one of the things is like a discipline or a routine that you apply day after day after day after day, especially, you know, sleep schedules, eating schedules, making sure you're hydrated, all of these things. And then, you know, working that right into the physical realm of like, right, I do my diary entries before five o'clock every day. I get that out of the way, 5 p.m. Because I know if I go after 5 p.m., then whatever I write isn't of good quality. Anyway, there's no point. Okay, so I know if I get that done before five, I know that all of those bits of information, all those entries are exactly what they need to be and exactly how they should be. And the results of that over weeks, months and years get better and better and better. So this whole black ink project started because I wanted to feel better. And I took that experiment that I had when I gave myself time off and I gave myself money, enough money to do it and took away all the, the responsibility of outgoings and overheads and I let myself just be a human for a while. And I realized that the thing that I like doing is applying myself. The thing that I like doing is problem solving. The thing that I like doing is something different all the time but all is contextual with each other. And that's really hard to work with. You know, they say, find, find what you love and then find a way to monetize the thing you love and then you'll never work a day in your life. Firstly, that is bullshit. You do something that you love every day, you're still going to end up hating it, right? Right? I think the thing that I took away from that situation was that there is something out there that I like because I think uh, something that we can all relate to is the fear that I am the different one that, you know, like... You know, Daniel Bradshaw from Street X, he found that he liked making teas and now he's made a beautiful business out of it and now I'm stoked for him. I'd like to replicate, rah, rah, rah. You know, look at Mario Giacci. He knows that he loves transport and he loves moving minerals. He loves being in the truck driving business, whatever it might be. And he has built now MGM out of it, originally Giacci's. There's all these like uh, examples of everyone else doing this seemingly impossible task, but they're doing it so effortlessly. Well, they've been doing it for so long now that it's not even a question. It's just what they do. Well, I didn't have the sureness of exactly what it was that I like doing, but I was like, hey, there's something within the things that I'm doing that are fun enough to me that if I could make, find a way to make money out of it, then there's a future in that. But at the time I went back to work, I kept on driving trucks, I had my caravan, I did that up, I saved a bit of money. And it's funny, I, I essentially did that again. Now that I look back at it, and I think I'm actually still too close to all of this, which was you know three years ago, or whatever it was. I'm still too close to it to have a, a good enough retrospective um, view on what it actually was to know what was going on. But I think this idea of me stopping truck driving and traveling was just a chance to fucking stop working, to stop having someone else telling me what I'm going to do, when I'm going to do it, how I'm going to do it. And if they don't like the way I've done it once it's done, how I'm going to fucking fix it. You know, I had no idea what it was that I liked doing. I just knew that that was the fucking opposite of it. That was the fucking opposite of it to being called at any moment during the day while you're in the middle of doing something that you just fucking worked around in your mind a way to enjoy it. And now they're like, fuck that shit. Don't worry about that. Just go do this instead. This is more important. We need you over here. And you go over there and they oh, why'd you fucking leave this? Well, such and such told me to fucking leave. You know what? What do you want? Pull on each arm, fucking rip me apart. What do you want? I knew I didn't like that. And I remember dad saying to me, you know, you've got $20,000 and a caravan, you know, a missus and a fucking dog. You know, I didn't have a dog at the stage, but that was the idea I was going to get a dog. 
it costs money to live on the road. Most caravan parks don't let dogs in there. Like, it's not as easy just to go and get a job. And at that point, I would like to say I had so much confidence in my own ability that I didn't care, but it wasn't that at all. I had so much dismay for the idea of going back to that shit that I didn't care. I had so much hate at that idea that I would figure out whatever the fuck I needed to because it was a better option than going back and truck driving at that point. Now, tied in with that, I also had the confidence of I can do anything, okay? I can do anything. And whether it's a faux confidence that my mum instilled from me from saying it to me over and over and over and over when I was a kid, or whether it's the fact that she instilled faith in me and that faith actually allows me to achieve anything that I want because I have laser-like focus when I start thinking about it, either way, the confidence is there. So I did leave that situation knowing that whatever, whatever I had to do to make the fucking wheels turn, I would make the wheels turn. Whatever learning I had to do, I would do. And shit. It didn't start the way I wanted it to. And I knew that at the time. You know? I was fucking selling dick pics on OnlyFans. I was selling battery-operated fish finders on Instagram. I was pulling at straws. But I was in the game. I was trying to figure it out. You know? As I went along, I was trying to see what worked the best, see what didn't work at all, see what I could do with other people to, you know, to, to grow my brand or to grow my image or to grow my idea, whatever it was. I was doing all of these little experiments, the same I'm doing now. Now this, the experiments are on a bigger scale now. But the whole time I was having fun. And the interesting thing about having fun is you don't care how much money you make. The only time you care is when it actually 100% affects your dependencies. So when Riz goes without coffee in the morning because my project isn't winning, then it's a problem, okay? And one thing that I always had in the back of my mind is if I've got to pull the cord and go truck drive, I'll pull the fucking cord, okay? If my dog is sick and she needs to have a fucking surgery or something, I'll pull the cord. I don't give a fuck. I'll go. I'm not so stubborn as to put my feelings on such a high shelf to say fuck everything else but I take my feelings serious enough to at least experiment and bet on myself medium to long term to see if we can make a way for this all to work. A coffee a day is $5. To go out once a week is about 50. You know, you, your living expenses when you're living in a caravan on a property for free with no electricity or water bill or anything. You know, like I was in the optimal situation to be doing what I was trying to do. But I got myself in that situation. I had to buy the caravan. I had to be the sort of person that calls a stranger saying, hey, I see you got this ad up and you wanted a, you wanted a, like a groundskeeper. Well, I've got these skills and these skills and here's kind of where I'm at. Like, how about us? Let's, let's meet, let, you know, and then going and living on that. Like I got myself in all those situations. I had to jump through barriers that I made for myself to get not even sure results, just results to start working with something, you know? And the thing is, when it's your story and it's happening in the moment, you normalize it because it's just what you're doing, you know? You know all of the steps that it took to get up to this point. And it's only when you stand away from everything with a bit of time that you go, oh, what a badass that did that, you know? What a fucking, what a, what do you call it? Someone who's, you know, gift of the gab. The, what a, what a go-getter you know, to do all these things, to get myself to a position where it's, where I can go, right, now I can experiment. I know that everything comes down to the bottom dollar. The bottom dollar is sorted. Let's see what we can do. 
Let's see what we can learn online. Let's see the things that we can put together. What are the side experiments? What's the main goal? What are the things that I need to get good at to make this work? Now, fast forward 12 months down the track. Well, we're more like 18 months down the track because I did a whole heap of stuff with Tucker and here Fishy and that eventually turned into Black Ink. But I know I've been doing Black Ink for just over 12 months now. So let's go 18 months after the fact. And I'm in a situation where when I wake up in the morning, the feeling is, is excited. The feeling is, I wonder what today's going to be. The feeling is like almost mystery because it's not determined by the next time I have to go to work. It's not determined by some countdown timer until I have to fucking do the thing that I don't want to do. There is nothing on my horizon that I'm not looking forward to. That's important. That's powerful. And that's free for everyone if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to make the routine, if you're willing to stay disciplined, if you're willing to keep asking yourself questions and when you get the answers, do something with that information. It's all there. You know, I've listened to this collection of three podcasts over the past um, week, week or so it's been. And without going into the podcast and what they're all about, they've just really made me hone in on the fact that humans are so fucking powerful and we don't realize it. And look, whether it's the whether it's our education system, whether it's the, the, the prison system. I mean, if you know nothing about this, it sounds crazy that I'm suggesting the education or the prison system or even just the way that society is, is kind of formed and maintained. I don't know whether it's all of those things or any of those one things or all of them put together that has created this feeling that humans are weak and powerless. But one thing's for sure, like what you can achieve when you set your mind in one direction and just go that direction just for a little bit. Fuck everything else and just go that direction that anything is possible. Anything is possible. And the bullshit thing is, is people are watching me put t-shirts together going like, wow, Jake, I can't believe how much success you've had. This is easy. I'm not even doing anything hard yet. Elon's putting a fucking Tesla in space. You know, and because he's in America and because we only see him on our fucking phone screens and all that, you kind of don't even actualize the fact that he's real. It's only because you physically see me driving a truck. You physically see me living in a caravan. And now you physically see me drinking coffee on Tuesday fucking mornings wearing a black ink shirt doing fuck all except ride my motorbike. And you go, that's tangible. That's real. Look at what Jake's doing. You know, and I get it. I sound arrogant and egotistical at the moment, but fuck you. I had faith. I looked in one direction and didn't fucking stutter for 12 months and now I'm here because I ask myself how do I want to feel and how am I feeling right now and I'll be honest with you the reason that I'm so passionate about this right now is because I have to make a business decision that's based around how I feel and it's extremely fucking hard I'm cutting out the majority of my income because I don't feel good doing the thing that I'm doing at the moment and it's something that I can't be transparent with for the sake of the client. And I've also not spoken about it at all on the podcast, but there is a massive sector of my business that brings in the majority of my income. And it's something that, unfortunately, it's come to a point that I don't feel comfortable doing anymore. So I now have to put myself back out into the realm of mystery of like, can I live out here? I have no money. I have no, I have no guarantee of where my rent's coming from. I have no guarantee of where my, where my shopping money is coming from to get my groceries. But I'm not scared of it because at least I get the feeling back. 
At least you get the feeling back of I'm in control, of doing what I want to do. I do what I find enjoy, enjoyable. I'm solving my problems. I'm moving my needle forward. You know? That's worth more than having your rent paid for. And it sounds crazy to say that. But I said that with absolutely no, no skin in the game like nine months ago when I literally had no tools to make money. I had no ongoing clients. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. I was literally learning day to day on the spot and trying to monetize that learning. And I did. And I survived. And I got myself in a house. And I got myself in a better position, a better position. Now I have all this equipment that can literally make money. This shit literally prints money for me if I have the right conversation with the right people. Right? So why the fuck, why the fuck would I do anything different? If I'm feeling as if this is making me feel less than, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, whether... I don't, I don't want to go too far into it because I really, it's not, you know, the podcast isn't the place to talk about it. But what, what I'm saying is for me to take this leap of like, I'm going to jump back into the unknown for the sake of me feeling better day to day, even if it costs me, you know, in the next, you know, four to six weeks are a little bit unsteady because I need to look for another source of constant, reliable income, whatever it might be. Fuck it. I'll do that. And you should do that. Because that's the only reason that we don't. Well, if I didn't have this job, who's going to pay my mortgage? Well, if I don't go to work, then how am I going to afford to buy food? You know? Well, if I, if I, if I stop doing this thing that I don't like doing, how am I meant to provide for my family? Well, that's your problem. And if you solve it, the result is you get to be happy. And if you're happy, your whole life changes. You're more attractive to people. You, more things will come your way more doors open because people want to be around happy people you have success organically come to you because you're seeking success you have a problem come to you instead of going like oh fuck and i got this problem and i got that problem and i got that problem a problem arises and you're like oh okay okay what's everything we've got in play here how does the problem look how can i get the best result okay what does the best result look like and what does the shittest result look like And here's another question. What's a result that's absolutely impossible look like and how do we make it happen? Because even if we don't make that impossible result happen, on the pursuit to getting that result to happen, we're probably going to supersede the best possible result we had lodged in our mind before. Every problem is an opportunity to do something. But it's your willingness to seek out that opportunity within the problem. It's your willingness to... Ask yourself how you feel and do something about it. Shit, man, I don't know. I just run this fucking dodgy internet business where I record podcasts and print t-shirts for people. What do do I know? You know, by trade, I'm a fucking truck driver slash porn star. Don't take my advice. Hmm. Moving on. I discussed a little bit last week about selling my screen printer because, you know, I've got to a stage now where I believe the time element of uh, production when it comes to these garments, t-shirts, hoodies, blah, blah, blah. The time element is super important. It comes down to how much you can produce and what amount of time. And the heat press is wildly more time efficient than the screen printer and also yields better results, both in quality and in like application, things you can do, the result you can achieve and so on. So making that decision, obviously, I spoke a little bit about what I would do with that space 
and how I would like to turn this whole area into a much more suitable place where I can have people come here and have conversations here. I've spoken a little bit in the past about not really enjoying, like if you want to catch up for coffee with me and talk about a potential job or a project or some business, going to a cafe where there's other people talking and listening and all the bullshit and, you know, wait staff walking around and, you know, having someone you went to school with sitting three tables over, I hate it. I would much rather you just come to my spot. I've got samples you can touch and feel. If you want to know about sizing, I've got shirts you can try on. Oh, you're a large, you're a medium, whatever it might be. You know, you can see previous work that I've got done on the walls. You can appreciate it. I think that's a lot more suitable environment to create rather than having a screen printer that I've got to walk around every time I'm in this room and that I use once every two weeks, right? And only for the sake of having, you know, that's how I make that piece of, uh, you know, that, that product is it's a screen printed product. So therefore I only use a screen printer for that. And it's like the field T, the OPT, the box globe T, all of those things. I mean, it's only because I've made everything to suit the screen printer. All I have to do is have those made as transfers and they do the exact same job better. And I don't need the screen printer to do it. And I don't need the heat tunnel and I don't, uh, uh, you know, so one of the things that I really wanted for this setup in my mind that I have, you know, the two couches, the coffee table and all that. I wanted a rack because at the moment I'm putting all of my clothes inside those plastic containers, all the, all my, you know, blank clothes that I'm yet to print on. They're all in containers. Uh, and as I want to, you know, print a medium or print this or print that, I have to get them out of the container, you know, take out, you know, if I want an extra large white shirt, well, I have to take all the small, medium and large black and white shirts out and then get one of those white shirts out, then put it back and then put all the other ones back on top, then put the container away. I thought, wouldn't this be cool if I just had some big racks where, you know, the in containers so that dust doesn't get to them. So I thought maybe I could have a rack that has like sides and a roof and a back on it. And then like maybe even little, well, just a roof and sides would stop a lot of dust getting into it. But even if you had something that had like just even a fabric door, a fabric thing you could throw up, when people are here, you could throw the fabric up and then they can see them when they're gone or for, you know, at night, you can pull the fabric down. So you don't have any dust that's going to settle on them. And I thought to myself, you know, this rack, ideally, you want a bit of a tilt on it so you can actually see what's in there. Otherwise, the top shelf, you know, like a bookshelf or anything, unless a well, bookshelf is a bad example because you have the spine of the books. But, you know, a tall rack, you need to kind of see what's going on. So I thought, fuck, this sort of rack is very specific and whatever rack I get, I'm obviously going to have to uh, uh, alter it a fair bit to make it suitable for this application. So it's public, uh, what do you call a roadside collection in Mumbry at the moment? Now, I don't know about you guys, but I get some shit off the side of the road. Hey, all the time, nonstop. Uh, there's that fucking episode that I did ages ago where I got the four racks outside of the hotel, those like con concierge racks where they you know roll in all your shit with your luggage on the bottom there was like four of them laying out the front during roadside pickup they were so big i couldn't fit them in the back of my ute so up in perth i strapped them to the top of my ute and then drove home 200 kilometers with these massive things hanging off my roof only to get home and realize after googling them that these are like 700 racks each and now i've got four literally like commercial racks that I can use in my studio, in my house, whatever you want, right at the start of Black Ink actually being something. We just moved into the house. I didn't even have the screen printer at that point, but I had these racks. It was like, fuck yeah, you know? And as it turns out, I spoke about this the other day. Every piece of furniture in here besides my desk and my chair is off the side of the road or out of uh, the Bunbury Flower Place when they moved. 
Like the stool I'm sitting on right now is roadside pickup. Anyway, so I thought, you know, rack, roadside pickup. I'll put it out into the universe. I wouldn't mind a rack, you know. I'm driving along and I saw one rack and I'm like, oh, that one's it's all right. I'd have to do a lot to it, you know, and I'm thinking, oh, I could get a piece of cardboard. I could do this. It's only about a meter tall. It would only hold so much. Second rack, it's a little bit better. Third rack, I drove past six racks. Six racks. Like over the space of probably a week or something, and you just wait. And every time I saw one, it was a little bit better than the last one. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. But also, you don't want to collect all this shit because not only are you stopping on the side of the road, going through someone else's rubbish, putting it in your car, taking it home, cleaning it up, blah, blah, blah. It's the fucking time element of it all. You know, I'm already driving around doing this. There's a certain amount of time. Stopping and assessing it as time. You know, getting it home, realizing it's fucked, time. Putting the energy and money into fixing it, time. So now I'm at a really educated, I guess you could say, or like experienced stage of being able to see something and go like, that's a fucking a steal, right? That is the exact, whether it's just a structure of what I need or whether it's the whole job, anything in between, we're going we're gonna to get this. So I went and picked up Riz from work the other day. For, I think I got a car tinted or something. Yeah, it was a day I got a car tinted. Shout out Dynamic Windscreens and Car Tinting out in Australia. Did an absolute fucking magical job on the car. If you're going to get your car tinted, go and see Dakota from Dynamic Windows and Car Tinting. Tell him that Jake from Black Ink sent you, that you expect that sweet deal that he got. My boy should hook you up. If not, don't come back to me. This podcast is for recreational purposes only. So anyway... We're driving around and Riz is like, oh, oh, this rack, this rack, this rack. And we were going a weird way home from her job as well. Just coincidental, right? So I pull up and I'm looking at it and it's the fucking bread rack out of one of the old delis. You know where you go and get your buns out? You know what I'm talking about. The seven foot tall rack that's got all the little doors on the front, the little plastic perspex doors with the fucking chain on it, with the tongs at the end, you lift up the door, you get the tongs, you grab the bun that you want, you drop the door down, you get a little paper bag, you put your bun in there, you go up to the counter, you pay 30 cents, you fuck off home, make a baguette. That's that rack. So, I'm looking at it, I'm like, no fucking way. No way. This thing's seven foot tall. It must be about two and a half foot wide. Two and a half? Probably two and a half, three foot wide. It's got sectioned plastic doors on it, like this. Three of them, four racks, so four levels with three doors on each level. It's got a big wooden fascia up the side, around the top and down the side again. It's got perspex on the side of it. It's got like a shitty piece of like something like wood or core flute or something on the back. And then it's also got another piece of like core flute on the side. And then on top, it's got a piece of perspex as well. And it's got all the perspex doors kind of hanging off. Some of them are broken, some of them aren't. And I'm looking at this thing, underneath all of the perspex and wood, this is a painted stainless steel rack with angled racks on it with dividers in the middle of it. Hey, hey, universe, could it get any more fucking perfect? So, pull over, do the quick assessment and realize that this thing is way too big to fit into the back of my ute and I'm trying to figure out how with me and Larissa on the side of the road we're going to manage to get this on the roof and then once we've got it on the roof how we're going to tie it down 
Now, for the sake of this conversation, we're going to skip forward half an hour in that whole plot of events and just say it ended up on the roof, tied down safely, got it home, took it off, went and picked up her car. The tint job was again, dynamic windscreens and tinting out in Australia. Tell Dakota that Jake from Black Ink sent you. And then I pulled all that wood off. I pulled all the perspex off. I gave it a high pressure clean with all the perspex gave it a high pressure clean the whole frame gave it a high pressure clean got it back to basically brand new now guess what your boys got ready for when i do this renovation in here you guessed it a seven foot tall rack with tilted tilted shelves on it so that i can put not only all of my blank stock on the bottom because this rack is so big it's literally double or triple the size i was anticipating finding i can put all the blank stock on the bottom and then on the top shelves I can put stock that's printed and ready to go. So now you can come around, you can see all the stuff that's ready to go, you can see all the things that are ready to print, you can see all the things that are ready to go, and furthermore, you can take them out, touch them, feel them, see what the front looks like, see what the back look, looks like, and it's all on perfect display. And of course, I'm actually gonna have room for this massive rack because I'm gonna be getting rid of the things that take up the most amount of space at the moment, which is a screen printer, the tunnel dryer, and all the sundries that go with it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like literally, I started thinking about like, well, what if I got rid of the screen printer? What if I do that? What if I, how, how does it look? What are the elements involved? Okay, does it affect this? Does it affect that? If I, okay, if I did do it, I'd want a couch. I want an area. I want like a really nice looking rack. I don't want to get some shit from Kmart. I don't want to get some, like that's the thing. You want something that's unidentifiable. And that's the thing with commercial things is they're made to suit the job. So it's not like you go, oh, I've seen that rack 40 times before. I've seen that, that chest of drawers 40 times before. So the thing that I was looking for realistically was something that someone was throwing out that was made for the job. Hey, dude, fucking bread roll stand. The story writes itself. What are we talking about? Look, man, have faith, have laser-pointed attention, and don't let anything fucking distract you, and anything is possible. Be good to your mum, because I'm fucking out. Yeah!